we've been looking at various angles of community, and, um, and this morning is no exception. We're going to carry on just with that. I'm going to do something specific in terms of helping us understand something about community that I'd love for us this morning. I trust that it will penetrate our hearts. So I hope you're ready and, and, and open to just let, maybe God will, will surprise you with something that you've never thought about. Is that okay? Some of you, your masks are so high, I think I can't even see your eyes. So I'm a bit concerned that you may be sleeping. Just check on your neighbor, please, that their mask, are, I mean, if you want to carry, and by the way, we want to advocate social distancing still. It's important, and so we believe in, in, in making sure that we keep to what the regulations are. But um, you don't have to cover your eyes as well. Hey, just checking. Right. Um, we, we're going to look at a letter that Paul wrote. Paul is this amazing guy that went around and, and he planted churches. And after he had planted these churches and got in contact with these churches, he was then imprisoned and he couldn't get to all of these churches again. And many of them he never visited again. And, and so he started writing letters to them. Uh, and letter writing is something that we're all very familiar with, isn't it? Hmm. None of you are. I, I don't know. I, when, when, who's written a letter to somebody this year? Can we just see? A letter. I'm not talking about an email. No, that's not a letter. A, a letter on a piece of paper. Anyone? There's one hand. There's two. There's like three, four, five hands. Amazing. Well done. Well done. Um, but it's not something that we do anymore. But here Paul, he would write these letters to, to believers, people that he loved so much that he wanted to encourage, and, and so one of them will be the, the book of, or the letter to the church in Philippi, hence the letter, Philippians, well done, well done. So I'm going to ask you to turn to the book of, uh, the letter called Philippians, and, and there are two themes that come out so strongly in this book that I want you to grab hold of with me this morning, and, and it's one, one of the themes is what we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks, which is, Community, uh-huh. The other theme that comes with it from this book is probably one of the things that the book is known for most. And it's a theme called, anyone? If I smile, can I give it away? Yeah, Simon, joy, joy on your birthday today. I hear it's 60, eh? Ooh, ooh-hoo, <laughs> man. So there's joy. So there's community. And there's joy. And so the title of this message is The Joy of Church. So if you're not smiling today, being in church, we're going to ask you not to receive any coffee or tea or anything to drink until you smile. All right? And you've got to have to do something with the, with the, mace, the face master to help us see that you are smiling. Now, no, we, we're talking about the joy of church. And, and it's probably only one aspect that I would love for us as a community to experience more and more, that the church is not a burden. The church is not a, a heaviness. Oh, we've got to do church again, and, and we've got to consider others, and we've got to share life, and we've got to also go to a meeting, which often people only associate church with is Sundays. And so church is a joy. Nobody said Amen. Come on, I hope by the end of the preacher we'll be more amens. That's one of the ways in which we gauge whether you guys are listening as preachers. So we're going to talk about the joy of church today, and, and I trust that, um, that you will be encouraged. So quickly, just we've got to just understand a little bit about the book of, or the letter to the Philippians. 
So I'm going to give you a little bit of a, an overview as we start this journey this morning. <clears throat> and then as we look at, just after we've seen a little bit about um, the church in Philippi, we're going to bring these two words together, community and joy, all right? So that when you consider community, you'll think, wow, that'll come up. When you think, I'm going to go to a meeting with my, my, my believing community, and in this context, King City Church, and you're like, um, um, no, that immediately will be joy. All right, so that's the aim. And this is what Paul writes to us about. So quickly, just an overview of the church in Philippi. So this is the first church he visited in mainland Europe. And, and so when they eventually planted the church there, which was soon after he had arrived there, it became the first church plant by him in Europe. Um, the church started from just a handful of people. And you can go read in Acts 15 and 16 how this particular church was, was started. And it started as he visited a group of ladies praying together, a group of Jewish ladies, and, and he started preaching to them the gospel. And a prominent lady in the group was called Lydia, and, and she sold some, some stuff. And, and, and in that moment, he preached to her, and, and she got saved, and, and the community also got saved, or some people in the community. And as the gospel spread wider, there were some people that followed him, and there was an incident that happened, and I can't go into all the detail. And because of that, they were arrested, Paul and Silas, that was, they, they were the two together at that moment. And so they're thrown into jail in this Roman city. Very wealthy city, they said. They hadn't, people of the city didn't have to pay taxes. Now you go, amen, hey? Oh, right. So anyway, um, so wealthy city, when they hear about these guys um, kind of stopping a certain trade, they got upset with them, and they were thrown into prison. And whilst they're in prison, Paul and Silas, they don't quickly tweet, oh, the whole world, we're in a mess. Please, somebody come save us. No, what they did is they started praising the Lord. And they worshipped while they were in the prison. How many of you have ever been in prison and praised the Lord? How many of you ever been in prison? How many? No. So the point is, this is quite a unique thing, isn't it? That somebody in prison praises God. It's not, oh, I'm so fed up with this. I came out here to serve Jesus. And this is what happens. No, he's not praising the Lord. The whole earth shakes and they release miraculously. And the jailer. And, and his household gets saved, and it's a wonderful thing. So the church is planted. But they could not stay for too long because these guys were upset with him. So they left, and uh, it seems like he visited Philippi twice again in his life, Paul. Um, and so that's a little bit about the story. This happened probably around about 20 years after Jesus was crucified and left the earth. So 20 years later, we find this church in Philippi planted and and God started working and doing an amazing thing. And so in this letter, he writes to these people that he had previously met and had been twice again to visit. And there's something that comes out in his letter. And the most amazing thing is that it talks about this fellowship thing, this community thing, and this joy aspect. That he combines the two and he says, community equals joy. And true joy equals community. But the interesting thing for Paul is, and that's where we've got to start off, is that Paul doesn't find his, his ultimate or his initial 
and the root of his joy in meetings and being with people. He finds it in Christ. And so this very short letter, four chapters. By the way, do yourself some, something, do something good this afternoon instead of sleeping and, and go read Philippians right through till the end of chapter four and just see how Paul experiences the reality of Jesus Christ. 38 times does Paul refer to Jesus or Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus. And so in that, Paul is actually communicating something clearly to us. He says, you know what? Everything for me is about Christ. And I love community. And I experience joy in it. But my first reference, where my true joy comes from, is Jesus. Because he writes things like this. Now hang on. I'm going to read to you something that he would write from this letter that expresses just something of this root of joy that he finds in his relationship with Jesus. Listen to it. He says, Philippians. He says to them, for me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. It's incredible. So like, guys, this is what I live for. This is what really makes me tick. I live for Christ, and if I die, it's gain. It's fine, because it's all about Him. He writes the following. He says, whatever I have gained, I count it as loss for the sake of Christ. He says, I've gone through lots of things, and Things with my resume is like, man, it's that long. But you know, all of this stuff, I counted as nothing but to know him. There's nothing more important. He says also, part of his joy that he's found, I mean, these things you cannot write unless you've truly have encountered something significant and deep in your walk with Jesus. You gotta, you gotta admit that. You can't express that unless Jesus is real to you. Amen. He says the following about this Jesus. He says, I press towards the goal for the price of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He says, man, you know what? I wake up every morning and I press hard to live for him. For the price of the upward call that he has called on my life, he has on my life to live for him. I live for that. See, I, I wake up every morning for that, guys. That's where my true sense of joy is found. And you know what? It is this sense of joy and contentment that he brings into community. So he doesn't go into community expecting anything. He brings into community something that is real to him already. And I think that's the difference often for us, is that we come into community with an expectation. What the community will do for me. It's like John F. Kennedy. Do not ask what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. Oh, that wasn't quite a southern whatever uh, accent there. But the point is that we often live with that, isn't it? We live in the community of expecting, what can the community do for me? Like, guys, hey, 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 what can you do for me? I mean, I'm, I'm considering church, so what can you do for me? Uh-huh, this side, anything, anything? Paul says, no, no, I found what I'm looking for. In Christ. I don't need, first of all, to find it in you. Although you're helpful. And as, as much as we need one another, we firstly have found everything we need in Christ. And so this is, this is Paul. We cannot find something in people unless we have first found it in Christ Jesus. 
No church can give you this initial sense of fulfillment and joy. It has to firstly be Jesus and Him alone. And so I love to always throw out questions. And so the question this morning in this context is, consider this, all right? question is, how much joy do you currently experience in your walk with Jesus? Not your walk with people. Because there's always going to be ups and downs with people, isn't it? People, then they disappoint me, then they please me, then it's this and then it's that. And, but in your current walk with Jesus, and I trust that you are, and if you're not walking with Jesus, in meaning in a, in a, being in a real meaningful relationship with Him, we'd love to help you. But how much joy are you experiencing? Is your joy you want to experience in Him conditional? In other words, will you say, Jesus, you're amazing, if, should, if only that could happen, then true joy will come. Paul says, no, 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 you know what? Anything that I can consider gain, uh, for me it's loss. I don't wait for the gain in my walk with God. I consider everything that I want to be found in Him. And I'm content with that. question is, do you wait for Him to do what you want Him to do? Or is your joy in Him found in who He is and not what He should or should not do? So before we get to community and we find and experience the true joy of community, we got to find that it's found in community with Him. And so, ladies and gentlemen, <coughs> excuse me, brothers, sisters, young person, middle-aged person, older person, your sense of fulfillment in life is not dependent upon people around you. It's not dependent upon the weather or your economic status. It's dependent upon your walk with Jesus. And He's already done everything that's needed for you to be, con to be fulfilled and content in Him and find true joy in Him. You've got to find it in Him. And we've got to always encourage one another towards that place. People will always be inadequate. Every church will be lacking if we do not find our true sense of fulfillment in Jesus. It cannot be community dependent. I find it in Him. And then I bring it into community. That's why we, during the course of this year, we, we started talking to you. For many weeks, we spoke about being with Jesus. That in being with Jesus, I find my true identity and I find who He is and, and I grow in that and I take it with me forever so that when I become like Jesus, it's found in my walk with Jesus. Is your relationship with Him or is it your relationship with Him that determines your sense of community you find in church and the joy that can come from that? And so again, as we often say, there's no perfect church, but sometimes church can be very much fun and, and, and helpful and we do things together and it's, and it's great and we encourage one another, but that cannot be my first place of fulfillment. It's got to be Jesus Christ because you know what? I'm going to disappoint you. I cannot, I cannot satisfy people's needs. I cannot even do that for my wife. And she cannot do that for me consistently. We've got to individually find it in Jesus. And as a community of believers, King City Church, we are encouraged to come to Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith, not to come to one another first of all, but to come to Christ. So your personal walk with Jesus is of utmost importance. 
And we want to help you with that if you're battling. So first of all, that's what we find. You know, there's this story that they say if a king of a country is present in the palace, then there's a specific flag that is hoisted to indicate that the monarch is present. And if that person is somewhere else, there's a different flag. That's what they do at, at Buckingham Palace, for instance. There's a flag that's hoisted to indicate that the queen is actually president at the moment. If she's not, wherever she goes, they can hoist the flag there. And so on and so on. And for me, when I look at Paul's life, and I look at how he expresses joy, it, this idea comes up. That the flag in his life is joy. Indicating that the king is present. That there's someone resident in his life that makes it visible for others to see that who is in control of his life, who is actually the king. So the question we ask is, which flag is flying above our lives? Is it the flag of our king? Or is it the flag of worry, anxiety, fear, bitterness, unforgiveness? Hatred, whatever sin, or is it the flag that says Jesus Christ is Lord and people can see it by the way you live? So, first of all, Paul could express these things because Jesus was truly resident in his life. Now, let's look at it out of this reality of who Paul, where he found his joy and how he communicates. And so, let's just look at a couple of verses. There's a number of places in Philippians where the word joy and rejoice comes in, probably about 35 times all throughout, and we're not going to have time to go through all of that. And now you also say amen, huh? Uh-huh. Good, good. Um, but the first one I want you to go to is where Paul introduces this letter to us. He greets us, and he greets the Philippian church, and he greets most of the churches that he writes to this way, well, all of them. And he uses his name, and he says, Paul and Timothy. So just look at how Paul does not introduce himself only, but he mentions his friend, colleague, and traveling companion. I want to suggest to you, as you would find in, in all of his letters, this is how he writes. Often he writes Paul and Timothy, he writes Paul and Sosthenes, he writes Paul and the brothers. But Paul says this, for me, I found my joy in Jesus, but the joy outworked is shared with others. Paul says, Paul and Timothy. He did not only find joy in Jesus and his walk with him, he was happy to be associated with others. Paul and Timothy. Stop right there. Just don't even read any further. Stop and consider this, that Paul finds the word and helpful. And important and values the relationship with another person. So this man is full of joy. Who says, listen, I, I don't care. If I die, I die. But if I can just live for my Christ. Then there's joy in that. And then in that he says, you know what I want to do? I want to share this with others. I don't want to just keep it to myself. So Paul and. Paul and. He was doing what he was doing with others. And all of this of his letters, you will consistently find the names of others. You do that and you read through the beginning of his letters, he would include the people that he is writing to and, and the context that he's writing from. 
They will include other names. And right at the end of his letters, he would often say, greet this one, greet that one, greet those people for me. And there would be names that we never have heard about. But Paul celebrates people. And he says, you know what? My joy is found in associating myself with others. There needs to be others in our lives too. And the question is, are there? Now, I'm, not everybody would have others. Because all of you would be sitting, seated here this morning with others. Uh-huh. Maybe you've come with others. Hopefully you'll go home with those same others. This evening you'll be saying goodnight to one other person. I hope so, just one, if it's a married person. You'll say goodnight to your parents and you'll wake up tomorrow morning and greet others again. You'll go to work, you'll go to school with others. But the others here are a little bit different. It's others that Paul includes in his life that he recognizes I need to be close enough to these people to help me in my walk with God and actually need to be close enough to them to help them in their walk with God. So different others. And so the question we've got to ask ourselves is, are there others in your life? Is there an and after your name? Vesey and, Paul and, Kilton and, Sid and. And people that, that you can associate with that will help you in your walk with Christ. It's a biblical principle. By the way, Paul never traveled alone. You can go read throughout all these letters. There were always people involved. He never was like this. And, and not only was he not just like that in terms of traveling, but in terms of people being able to connect with him, speak to him, he would listen to people. You find that even in prison, he would have companions with him in prison. They didn't need to be there. They chose to be there. So he had a lot of ands in his life. And so for me, we cannot consider community to be a Sunday morning affair. Where we just rush in and, I mean, we can mention a whole lot of names from being together with people this morning and say, you know, on Sunday, the 22nd of November, I was with so and so and so and so and so. But how real is that? Did you listen to what so and so had to say when you find yourself in a spot of bother? Or are you together with somebody that you can perhaps help? And one of the values for us as a church, as a community, is to share life together and to allow each other to speak into one another's lives and to do the same. So please connect yourself with people. It carries on. Paul says, Paul and Timothy, and then he explains a little bit about who they are. He says they're servants. The second value that Paul refers to here links him to community and finding joy in community is that he sees himself as a servant into every place he fellowships or he engages. So I'm not coming in and he's not saying, listen, I come in here as your leader. You've got to listen to me. He says, I come in here as your servant. Just exactly what Jesus did. And so for us, the context of community is that we find delight in being together, but also serving one another. We don't just come to observe what others can do for me, as I said to you earlier on. You find true joy in church as you engage the community in a meaningful way. Get to know people, but also become willing to serve. That's where 
real community starts. When I come in and I say, I'm your servant. I'm not your master that lords over you. Jesus didn't even say that. We come to serve one another. And so when you define community, we're not defined by the way we meet. We're defined by how we love one another and how we serve each other, regardless. And so if you're happy with an hour and a half on a Sunday, I challenge you. I challenge you. You cannot just say, well, I'm part of a community because I go to a Sunday meeting once a week. You're part of a community when there are people's names added to yours. When you say, Louis and Victor. When you say, Tulani and Jordan. When you say, Chris and Wally. When there are names that you're connected to, and you recognize, but there's relationship here. And it's not just we, we kind of sit together on a Sunday, but we allow each other's input, and we listen, and we engage, and we learn from one another because we want to serve. And out of that, we also say, when I come together on a Sunday, hey, I want to grab an opportunity to serve these people because I love them. I don't just rush in here, hey, I love you lots. I don't just rush in here 10 minutes into the meeting, and once the meeting closes, I'm out of here again. We're missing something of what true community is then. Come on. We come together and we say, listen, this is God's people gathering. How can I serve? Because I see how you served me. And for me, true community is found in serving you too. He carries on. He says in verse 3, Paul's still talking about these dear people that he had met. He says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayers with joy. By the way, he's praying for his people. He's praying for the people. By the way, another wonderful principle of true community is we, we consider each other and we pray for one another. I just, you know, thank you very much if you pray for the elders and, and the leaders of the church. But you, do you know some of the names that are around you, that faces that you've seen often? Why don't you go out and just ask them their name, first of all? this morning, and add it to your little list of people I hope you have, of people that you regularly pray for. Because you know, we all have our own list, say, of needs. Ooh, and it's like hobbles things there, like many things. But what about a list where we pray for others? And you meet somebody this morning, because this is what community is about, and true joy is not thinking about yourself, but thinking about others, and you say, what's your name? I've, I've seen you around so many times, but I, I don't know you. And reaching out to one another and crossing some boundary lines that we've set up. So please, Paul says this, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy, because he says, of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And Paul's saying, guys, I found, I found fellowship with you. I found synergy with you. And it's something deep. It's not just because we, we play soccer together or we, we collect stamps, which is obviously quite irrelevant these days. But we don't just share something like that. We, we share a common goal, and His name is Jesus Christ. 
Paul says, there's a partnership that I have with you. And this is what we have. This is what makes us a community, is that there is a partnership. Jesus Christ is the one that binds us together, and He brings us together, and He enables us to serve one another, and reach out to one another, and pray for one another. He says, all of this brings me great joy. How's that? I mean, if, if we would ask ourselves the question, what are, what are some of the things that brings you great joy? Well, greatest joy, obviously it will be a lot of material things. But we find in this book, in this letter, Paul says, when I connect with people, when I relate to them, that brings me joy. It brings me immense joy. When I can think of you, that's joy. So joy and church go together. Paul says, as you read, as you read it on, says in verse Verse 6, and I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And it is right for me to feel this way about you because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in defense and confirmation of the gospel. Listen to what he says in verse 8. For God is my witness how I yearn for you with all the affection of Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus. He says, guys, I yearn. He expresses his heart of belonging. He's writing from prison. He's not been able to see them, and probably after this letter, he never saw them again. And in his heart still, he says, I yearn for you. There's something that was established between us that distance cannot cut off. And so community, again, is found in the joy of being together of yearning for one another, of saying, hey, I haven't seen you. And with this lockdown stuff that we've gone through for the last couple of months, there are many people that we've not seen. Why don't we yearn for them, not to be back at a meeting, but just to reach out to them. And if you have names right now that come to your mind, write them this. I yearn for you. How are you? Because it brings me much joy to be with you. He carries on the end of, of, uh, towards the end of chapter 1, he writes these things in, in verses 23. He says, I'm hard-pressed between the two because he's talking about leaving and going to Christ and, and actually dying but preferring for their sake to stay. He says, I'm, I'm eager to go to God, but I'm willing to stay. And he says in verse 23, I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and, and be with Christ, for that is far better but to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. How's that? My goodness. He's like, listen, he's not talking to his wife because he was never married. He's talking to people that he's not even seeing in front of them. He doesn't have their selfies or whatever on his phone. He's just remembering the, intent, the intimate and deep moments that he had with their meaningful times. And he's saying, you know what? I, I, I'm eager to go to God, but I'm willing to be with you. Because you're important to me, he says. And he says this, convinced of this, I know, verse 25, that I will remain and continue with you all. Listen to this. For your progress and joy in the faith. Guys, we're around. Not for our own fulfillment. Not for our own satisfaction. Not for our own sense of just Finding a place of belonging where we can say, well, I have people around me. 
We're here for the progress and joy of seeing your faith and the faith of others grow. And so we are a community with a mindset that says, I do not live for myself. Paul will reiterate that just now in chapter 2. He says, I'm here and I find joy in your progress. He says, I'd much rather actually leave and go be with Christ. But I'm willing to be with you. And he reiterates this in um, chapter 2. Where he says, guys, we've got to think alike. We've got to have the same mindset. He says in verse 2, verse 17, or chapter 2, verse 17, he says, Even if I'm being poured out to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I'm glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. And he's saying, listen, we've got to live with a willingness to sacrifice for each other. So community is built on that. Our community with God is determined determined by His sacrifice that He gave us, Jesus. The depth and the, the true extent of our community is found in the willingness to serve and to sacrifice for one another. Paul says, I find joy in this. I want to ask you this morning, as you read through the rest of this beautiful, beautiful letter, that you consider what it means to be part of community. Listen to what he says in verses 1 of chapter 4. I'm going to skip some things. He says, Therefore, my brothers, chapter 4, verse 1, my brothers whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord. (laughs) He's saying, guys, you're my joy and my crown. He says, you bring me much joy. This community brings me much joy. I found my ultimate community and, and joy in Christ. But you know what? You too, you're, you're my joy and my crown. He's actually saying, a friend, years ago taught me the simple thing. One line, it says, your success is my honor. Your success. Your success. Yours. Yours. Yours in, in your walk with Christ and, and in your marriage and in your business will be my honor. It'll be my crown to say, Wow, great to see them blessed and to see them prosper, not just materially, but emotionally, spiritually, relationally in their lives will be such a pleasure for me. This is how Paul sees community. He says, when you come into community, it's not about you. And you read that in chapter 2, where he says, you've got to have this mind that Christ had, that he said, I'm not here for myself. He says, guys, don't think of your own good. Think of the good of others. That's what community is built on, because my community with him is built on that. That he said, what is best for you is what I'll come to give, and that is my life. So I want to close with this beautiful verse he says in chapter 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Probably one of the most well-known verses about joy in the Bible. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And we know that song, and, 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 and we love it, and we encourage, and we actually command it to rejoice in the Lord. But the rejoice is found in the context of living for each other. It's not just a random verse out of nowhere. He says, it's found in community that I can rejoice. 
I rejoice as I enjoy my God, and I rejoice and I find joy amongst you. So one of the greatest thrills we have is together. One of the wonderful things we have is to have Vesey and Kilton, Vesey and Clive, where I can hear from Clive what I need to hear because it helps me in my walk with God. And so I don't disconnect myself from community and from individual people that can speak into my life. I need them. That's part of my joy. And then I can rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. That's where it's found. So please, the plea this morning is very clear. There's joy in church. Not in a church meeting, but it's joy in community, in real, meaningful relationships. And the way we relate in that is to reach out and to see and to look out for the advancement of somebody else. That your success will become my honor. And I say, Jesus, my friend, is battling. I've got to reach out so that it will be better for him or for her. And when it does go better, man, I'm so thankful. I'm not jealous and envious of what you're doing for them. So much joy is firstly found in Christ. Much joy is available in community. And much joy is found in making our lives available to the benefit of those around us. Yeah, and wider.